Issues Etc. listeners are needed to vote for President of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Every LCMS congregation has the right to vote through a pastoral and a lay voter, two voters per congregation or parish. Voter registration must be completed by Midnight Central on March 19th of 2023. Request to be a voter at your congregation for president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Learn more at issuesetc.org 2023 nominations. There is an entire generation searching. Slow down, man. Slow down. Just in all the wrong places. If you want to reach my people, you need to speak to them in a language they understand. If I bring them in, I'm going to lose my job. We can only walk through doors open to us in your church. That's a door that's shut. You've probably noticed we have some guests here today. I'd like you to meet my new friends. Welcome. They don't belong here. Half of them aren't even wearing shoes. They're staining the new shag carpet. They need our help. If you feel like you're misunderstood and judged, you will find forgiveness and freedom right here. That was awesome! Now that door is open any time of day. And if there are some who don't like that, well then, that door works both ways. All right, Pastor, let's begin. I was almost done with this, but then you did what nobody else would even dare. This thing that we found, I feel like I belong. You're gonna need a bigger church. Our country is a dark and divided place, but now there's hope and it's spreading. This is your home, and I want you to tell all your friends about it. Those are scenes from the movie Jesus Revolution. It tells the story of Chuck Smith, Lonnie Frisbee, and the origins of Calvary Chapel and the really the revolution that that became and legend in American evangelicalism. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. Live on this Friday afternoon, March the 10th. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We're going to be reviewing the movie Jesus Revolution with Pastor Ted Geese. Rachel Morrison, an attorney at the Ethics and Public Policy Center, joins us to talk about a Supreme Court case on religious accommodation in the workplace. There's a postal worker. The post office didn't used to deliver on Sundays. Well, they said he had to work on Sundays, and he said, that's my day of rest. That's my Sabbath. It's gone to the Supreme Court. Dr. John Baboro will join us after that. We'll talk about preaching the end times the right way. Pastor Ted Geese has a bachelor's degree in fine arts. He's pastor of Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada, and he teaches a course for Concordia Lutheran Theological Seminary titled The Lutheran Approach to Art, Media, and Film. Ted, welcome back. Thanks, Todd. How is the average evangelical likely to receive this film, Jesus Revolution? Well, uh, as I'm not an average evangelical, I can only speculate. But I think the interesting thing about this, like this Jesus Revolution film is essentially telling the kind of origin of the Calvary Chapel movement in conjunction with, connection with the Jesus movement of the late... 1960s, early 1970s. This is going to be something where it's like not all evangelicals are going to be on the same page with where this went. So this kind of congregation in Costa Mesa, California, experienced uh, quite the radical change in everything that they were doing. And uh, as a result, you know, grew and then it kind of ended up being this kind of like a denomination in a way that vein of non-denominational 
half non-denominational kind of thing across you know, in North America and around the world. And from that, you get like the, the vineyard movement uh, branches off from that. So with and also, I guess the other big thing is, is that this is the congregation from which, as a result of all of this, that Maranatha music becomes a record label and a publisher of music. So there's going to be lots of evangelical churches, and I believe there's a couple of these Maranatha music songs that are in our Lutheran service book as well. But there's going to be lots of people that have some sort of tangential connection with Calvary Chapel in a way. So there's going to be some things that they're going to really be okay with, and then there's going to be things that they're going to be not okay with because it won't reflect their confession of faith. Like your average evangelical may not describe it as like their confession of faith, but or like the, the creed that they follow, but they're going to have things that they agree with and they're going to have things they disagree with. For instance, you're going to have like, well, even like Calvinists, for instance, are not going to agree with things that are going on in this film or things that went on with Calvary Chapel along the way. So I think that, you know, like pretty much anywhere you stand within Christianity, you're going to look at this and you're going to say, there's things in here that I like to see, like up on the big screen. And then there are going to be things that just do not comport or do not fit with the person's individual confession of faith from within their church body that they belong to if they're not like dyed-in-the-wool Calvary Chapel types. In reflecting on this, this is kind of where I've arrived at. What's the story that this film tells? It's got, kind of got two little things going on in it. One thing is, is you have Kelsey Grammer, who people will remember as Fraser Crane from Cheers and from the TV show Frasier. He plays this pastor, Chuck Smith, who's the pastor of the little church Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa, California. And his daughter, Jeanette, and him have a kind of a conversation about everything that's going on. 1967, you know, summer of love, kind of a deal, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, the whole Timothy Leary drop in, tune out, that all of that kind of stuff, right? They're talking about that, and she's like, you don't even know a hippie. What would you even do with a hippie? So he says, well, if God brings me a hippie, I'll talk with him. So she's driving, and she sees a hippie hitchhiking. She brings that hippie home, and it's this guy, Lonnie Frisbee is the guy's name. Lonnie Frisbee in this film is played by Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus on the TV program, The Chosen. So, and he looks like Jesus, <laughs> you know, this hippie. And, and then these two men, Lonnie Frisbee and Chuck Smith at that little congregation start working together. And then uh, things start to change for that congregation. So it, it tells that story. It also tells the story of this uh, young guy who's a kind of a, a dropout from military school who has a, you know, a complicated relationship with his, his mother who is an alcoholic and is a single, single mother in a way, like they're from a broken family. And this guy's name is Greg Laurie. And it talks about how he drops out of school, gets involved in the hippie kind of culture, as it were, particularly the drug 
related part of it gets out of that military school goes to a public school there's a girl that he likes named Kath and and they kind of, there's kind of this romance story them as teenagers you know falling in love and wanting to have a future together and and also at the same time becoming part of the Calvary Chapel congregation and kind of leaving that Timothy Leary style drug life behind in favor of a Christian life. So it's telling those two stories are kind of the two stories that run through the whole film. But at the same time, it is just generally also the story of the beginnings. It's a kind of a docudrama in a way, the story of the beginning of the Calvary Chapel movement. So how does it describe the what was in time some pretty spectacular growth for that original congregation? Well, it, it kind of presents it like, I guess it's not exactly the way it actually happened. And again, this is part of the the challenge of making a movie versus like, let's say having a, a long form television program with multiple seasons or a book, right? It's hard to get all of it into two hours. So as a result, they have to kind of streamline some things. You know, when I was digging around looking at this stuff, it's not actually Jeanette, the daughter of the pastor, Chuck Smith, who brought home the hippie. It was Jeanette's boyfriend who himself had drug problems, who brought home Lonnie Frisbee to his girlfriend's dad's house. You know, so they have to kind of like you you just take one character out to save yourself some time or you maybe you characterize individuals in a more broad way. <laughs> so not maybe as finessed a presentation of them. So what what you have then at the beginning of all of this is resistance. It's it's presented like this. There's resistance in the congregation to the idea of having these hippies that come along with Lonnie Frisbee into the church because they have bare feet, their feet are dirty, they're not really washed. They are involved in this counterculture of the time and they don't air quotes fit in and maybe they're not living a very sanctified life also as part of everything. So what you have then is the way the film, because they have to kind of cover a lot of territory pretty quick. You have some very hard headed individuals that are kind of almost a little bit cartoonish in the way that they're presented who are against the whole process of all of it. And, you know, there's a dramatic moment where pastor Smith says, you know, here's this door and the door is open for anyone who wants to come in, but the door goes both ways. And if you don't like any of this, you can go out that door. And then the hardest headed of the hard headed walks out. So you have this kind of presentation of things. Now in actuality, this pastor Chuck Smith was part of the four square church kind of Pentecostal movement. And he had already broken ties with them because he found that their bureaucracy was too rigid and authoritarian and that there was too much competition being instilled between pastors and congregations to grow the church. So he wanted to have things be more relaxed and easygoing already before he even met this Lonnie Frisbee. So he may have already been more of an anti-authoritarian type individual, or he may have had those feelings already before he met this uh, Lonnie Frisbee, but the film kind of presents him rather as this square who has an epiphany. And then as a result, 
everything kind of starts to grow within the congregation. It's doing what these kinds of films do, like any kind of drama does that's based on real events. It's, it streamlines things. Maybe it doesn't tell you exactly what actually happened, but it wants to get across an idea. Now, the question is, is that idea accurate to what happened or not? And that's something that anybody who's super interested, like some people are going to watch this movie. They're not going to be interested in digging in deeper into the history of how this all got going. They're going to see the film. They're going to take it as this really kind of inspirational little movie about people who leave one life behind and become Christians and their life is changed. And they're going to look at that and they're going to think that's great. But for those who watch the film and want to dig more into the history of it, they might find that what is presented in the film is not exactly what actually happened in its entirety. Pastor Ted Geese is our guest. We're reviewing the movie Jesus Revolution on the other side of the break. Ted says that it transcends the stereotype for faith-based films. We'll find out what he means by that next. Is dressing up to be there too. Find out the means used by great Lutheran music composers to convey meaning in the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for March, Lutheran Music and Meaning. This new resource is published by Concordia Publishing House, their phone number 1-800-325-3040, or learn more about Lutheran Music and Meaning at issuesetc.org. Lutheran Music and Meaning by Dr. Daniel Zager. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month, 1-800-325-3040, or issuesetc.org. Job saw the city as a wasteland, as if devoid of God, witnessing injustice to the poor by the corrupt, lawlessness of criminals, trafficking of children, blatant immorality, thinking God could not see wicked deeds done in the dark of night. Yet God never abandoned Job, nor his city, groaning for mercy. God is working through the living Redeemer, hands etched with salvation, pointing to the resurrection to come. Join us at lcms.org slash citymission to seek peace and shine the light in the city. Educating a new generation of Lutherans. You're listening to Issues Etc. Memoria Press award-winning Latin programs have successfully taught hundreds of thousands of students across the world. Their easy-to-use, step-by-step Latin curriculum provides students with an academic vocabulary, a mastery of English grammar, and strong critical thinking skills. If you're interested in learning more, visit memoriapress.com and save $5 on your next purchase by using the coupon code LPR23. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial-A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial-A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now.
Welcome back. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. We're reviewing the movie Jesus Revolution. Pastor Ted Geese is our guest. Ted, you say that this film transcends the stereotype for faith-based films. What do you mean by that? Well, yeah, as far as this kind of film goes, this is a really good one in terms of the film itself. So I think that lots of us have probably seen some of these films that are maybe a little corny, maybe are not maybe as serious about the topic as you'd want them to be. Perhaps maybe the acting is not that great all of the time. Like this is a, as an aside, this is a problem for people in Canada, quite apart from Christian genre related films and television, because up here we have this film and television industry as well. And because of like federal regulations, certain things had to be put on television, even if they weren't not of a high quality. So sometimes you could watch a show and you can, you can tell instantly that it's a Canadian show because it sometimes it lacks the general high quality that you might find in productions from other places around the world. America, for instance, we get lots of stuff from America. So I, I think that lots of times people will have seen Christian films that the intentions are there to really produce something excellent, but maybe the delivery on those intentions are not um, that great. So this kind of, again, it's certainly not like that. This has got great cinematography. The music that's in there is is good. The material culture, I mean, it's set in the late 60s, early 70s. It looks and feels like it's of that time. You know, I mean, it's a stylized version of it, but it's not obviously anachronistic or problematic in that way. So now it's kind of getting more towards things like, you know, Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ or Roland Joffe's The Mission or Martin Scorsese's Silence stuff like that, or it probably actually, but it's not as good as any of those. It's good, but it's not as good as any of those in terms of delivery. Maybe it would be more like The Case for Christ from 2017, which we talked to by this director, John Gunn. And coincidentally, he's also, or maybe not so coincidentally, he's also one of the writers of the script, like who adapted the book that was turned into this movie. So that one was a movie, This The Case for Christ was a movie about Lee Strobel, who was the Chicago Tribune reporter who became kind of an apologist for the Christian faith, moving from being agnostically atheist to being a Christian. It kind of feels quite similar to that. So this is a film that qualitatively is better than like the God's Not Dead series of films or the you know, left behind series of, of films. It's qualitatively better than all of that, but maybe not as good as something like Silence by Martin Scorsese or The Mission by Roland Joffe. So how does the Christian message, in particular the Christian preaching, how is it portrayed in the film? Well, there's a fair amount of preaching in there. I mean, you don't get like a full 20 minute sermon or like what you would probably actually get in a congregation like that, where it's like a, like an hour long presentation of preaching, like you don't get that. So, but the preaching you do get is largely based on scripture. Like it's been a week now since I watched the film. So it is uh, like that, that particular Calvary Chapel had a history of what they would do is they would do verse by verse expository preaching and teaching. That's kind of like going through the Bible beginning to end kind of stuff. 
similar to that kind of thing. So you, you do get a lot of, of Christian preaching that is, you know, you just get snippets of it here and there as you go through the film. You just don't get a whole entire sermon anywhere. If you're a Roman Catholic, if you're a Lutheran, if you're Episcopalian, Presbyterian, Baptist, whatever, there's going to be lots of things in this film that don't completely fit with what you experience in your regular life as a Christian, especially your life attending a church service. You're going to see things that, like it might not look like any of the preaching that you normally see, or it might not like the the way that the church service is set up might not look the way you're familiar with. There's going to be specific things like at one point, you know, you have Kelsey Grimer as this pastor, Chuck Smith, who literally takes like he's they're about to have communion and he says this represents jesus's blood so you you get like a whole different picture into the way the sacraments are the way they happen in a in a different context in this context and at that point that's prior to kind of like a lot of the changes that do happen so then he would be doing it in kind of a pentecostal kind of a way and then also there's like full immersion baptisms at Pirate's Cove, things like that. So there's there's a lot going on. So in terms of preaching and teaching and, you know, administering the sacraments, it's going to be different than what maybe you as a viewer are familiar with in your own context. And I guess I like to back all the way up to the to the question you asked, you know, in terms of preaching, like one of the things that you get in here is because of the independent of this congregation because he like this pastor had had broken away from that four square pentecostalism what he does is he like the buck stops with him so what he does is he takes this lonnie frisbee who's this hippie and the deal with this is that the daughter brings home this hippie and he is then surprised that this hippie is actually a street preacher so he takes that street preacher and he brings him in as one of the guys who's going to preach in his church. So and there's only about 30 people initially who attend the church, and he makes this guy one of the preachers in the church. And then things kind of go from there. But this Lonnie Frisbee has not really been professing active Christian for very long. So this is something that like we get specific warning against from St. Paul about, you know, like anybody who, who wants to be a, an overseer, anybody who wants to be a pastor shouldn't be a recent convert. And this Lonnie Frisbee person is a recent convert. And as a result, and because of other things going on in his life, you start to see it unfold through the course of the film you know, the wisdom of what St. Paul is actually um, telling Timothy and uh, encouraging Timothy and teaching Kim- Timothy about in Scripture. Because, you know, like I said, if anyone aspires to the office of the overseer, he gives a bunch of things. And then he says he must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. And you do see, like, as everything grows and gets bigger, you know, this young man is not prepared for that. And that conceit comes in and becomes a problem. So this is why we as Lutherans, let's say, 
have then in the Augsburg Confession, Article 14, that very short article, the words of the Reformers that say, no one should publicly teach in the church or administer the sacraments without a rightly ordained, or rightly ordered call. So in the case of this, because of their polity, it's very congregational. This Pastor Smith, he's the guy issuing the call and he's the guy rescinding the call, but they're not part of, at that point, any larger church body and there's no additional oversight and there's no seminary system and there's no, the mentorship all has to happen right there. That's it. That's all that, that this Lonnie Frisbee could possibly get in terms of that relationship between him and Pastor Chuck Smith. So I don't know, like that's a, that's a very long answer to what you're asking. That's part of the preaching part. And you see that play out through the course of the film. Pastor Ted Geese is our guest. We're reviewing the movie Jesus Revolution. A little earlier, he mentioned Maranatha music. How does the film depict the beginnings of contemporary Christian music? If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Things Above, that's the theme for this year's hymn sing at the Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference. The bridegroom soon will call us. Jerusalem the Golden, Wake Awake for Night is Flying, and a whole bunch more. You don't want to miss it. Making the Case is Friday, June 16th, and Saturday, June 17th at Concordia University, Chicago. Learn more at issuesetc.org. Psalm 144.1 Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Those serving in the armed forces want LCMS chaplains. We need courageous pastors to bring the gospel and sacraments to those protecting our nation, along with wise counsel and the peace found only in Christ Jesus. If you are between the age of 26 and 43 and have a heart for ministry in the armed forces, call 314-996-1337 or email lcmschaps at lcms.org. If you're looking for a good Lutheran church in Scarsdale, New York, one that has sound teaching based on the Word of God and takes pride in the confessions, look no further than Trinity Lutheran Church in Scarsdale, New York, where every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. we have Bible study and Sunday school, followed by the service at 10. Again, good liturgical confessional worship by the grace of God. Find us at trinityscarsdale.org. With the war on chocolate that's been happening around us lately, it's time to change up our Easter gift giving. And Ad Crusom has a solution. We have hundreds of beautiful wares to enhance your and your loved one's devotions. See our prayer beads, icons, wooden plaques, incense burners, and of course, our beautiful new chancel culture mugs and swag. Visit adcrusom.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M.com. Spiritual and religious. You're listening to Issues Etc. I like to think of the deaconess vocation as driven by two things the love of Christ and the needs of our neighbor. Issues Etc. regular guest, Dr. James Busher, Director of Deaconess Studies at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, on the vocation of deaconess. First, the deaconess is moved by the love of Christ, who came not to be served, but to serve. Yet I think we can also see the profound needs around us, broken families, loneliness, despair. Deaconesses help the church to become a true family 
that manifest the love of Christ in our love for one another, and especially for those in need. For more information on the Deaconess Studies program at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, visit ctsfw.edu or call Concordia Theological Seminary at 1-800-481-2155. At the outset, it is important to dispel two related myths about Martin Luther and hymns for the congregation to sing. First, there is no evidence for the assertion that Luther took tunes that were sung in bars and wrote gospel-inspired words to go along with the melodies. This myth propagated by numerous writers to suggest that Luther willingly borrowed from pop culture of his time may have find its roots in the simple misunderstanding of the German musical term bar form. The second myth related supposes that Luther asked, why should the devil have all the good tunes? Again, the intent is to show Luther's openness to the pop music of his day, but there's no evidence in his voluminous writings, including his informal conversations, that Luther ever said those words. A little bit from... The Issues, Etc., Book of the Month for March, Lutheran Music and Meaning. It's published by Concordia Publishing House. Their number, 1-800-325-3040. 1-800-325-3040. You can browse before you buy at our website, issuesetc.org. The Issues, Etc., Book of the Month for March, Lutheran Music and Meaning. Pastor Ted Geese is our guest. We're reviewing the movie Jesus Revolution. Ted, you mentioned Maranatha music early in our conversation. How does this film depict the beginning of contemporary Christian music? Well, I mean, it doesn't say it like, like you don't have a talking head, like, you know, explaining it, but because of the way that it's all presented in this film, what you get is you get the hippies kind of involved, like they're at like a Janis Joplin concert and they've like, they're hate Ashbury is part of all of this. And, they do kind of depict what's going on at that time. And the idea is, is that this is kind of a natural outgrowth of all of that, that it is actually of the same, if not the same quality, at least the same kind of direction as all of that kind of style of music is at the time, except in the case of this, that it's all with Christian lyrics, let's say. But they present it kind of like that, that it, this, is, this isn't something that organically happens apart from everything that's going on in culture. This is something that happens as a result of kind of springing up out of the culture that already is swirling around in the late 60s, early 70s. So it has the sound and feel and the look of a lot of that kind of music. This is, of course, not what that congregation was already doing. It's a major break from what they were previously doing. And it's also not something that most churches in that time didn't have anything remotely like this going on. So as a result, you know, it's it's very, it would have been at the time a very jarring, different kind of thing. And also then would be an outlet. I don't know if you've never noticed this kind of stuff before, but this is something that you get a little bit or a lot, depending on where you are in North America where it's like, well, and this is actually kind of connected to the whole idea of having like a subgenre of Christian films or like a subgenre of a Christian film industry, right? That you might have like, well, uh, the kids want to see wrestling. So what we're going to do is we're going to have wrestling. You know, it's not going to be WWF or WWE or whatever it's called now. 
um, but it'll be like a local kind of wrestling kind of a thing, but it'll be Christian wrestling. So in the same sort of way, this is like, we're going to have the rock music like on the stage when Janis Joplin is playing and whoever else, but we're going to have it be Christian. That's what they kind of give you. They show that kind of a thing going on here. And also that, that this is like this magnet for these people, or at least is presented like that. Of course, the film is also talking about how this is a generation of people who are looking for the truth. This is the way that it's presented. So they're finding the truth in Christ. But the question I guess I might have is a having watched the film, is that music necessary for that to happen? I think this is a legitimate question that a lot of people could ask. Like, is that going to be the thing that absolutely has to happen to make this happen? And some people genuinely think that if you apply marketing strategies or whatever to church life, that as a result, you can impact the number of people who are attending your church services. In recent years, you know, maybe congregations think to themselves, oh, we should start a coffee house or we should do this or we should. There's lots of things that people try to do that are not at its center, like about the main things that the church is actually commissioned to do. But this is a like it's it's presented as kind of one of the main key components as to how all of this kind of ends up happening. The careful viewer who's watching will also see that it's it's about the miserable nature of the life of the people of that generation and how they really do actually need mercy from Christ, mercy from God, mercy from Pastor Smith, mercy from the church. And that probably is actually the thing that's more important than the than the music. You say one problem with the film is that in the end, for all its genuine heartfelt intentions, it isn't as interesting or moving as it thinks it is. What are you talking about there? Well, okay, so it's kind of interesting for me, but I'm a Lutheran pastor and I like theology and I enjoy digging into things. I mean, I think it might be interesting to people who listen to issues, etc., because like Jeff says sometimes, smartest listeners in radio, right? Like there are going to be people that are going to find this really interesting. But, you know, as I was kind of like looking around, getting ready for today, I did find like some reviewers that are just like, this feels like a used car sales pitch or something. It isn't doing the thing that, that it thinks that it's doing for the very people that it, like, I guess on one hand, what it would be is it could be very encouraging for people who are already Christians, let's say, but it may not be as transformative for quote unquote, the lost as maybe it thinks that it is or could be. Does it come across as something that's trying to reach an unbelieving audience? I think this is where it gets a little meta, right? You have to take a step outside of the film itself. Like there are some things I genuinely like about the film. The film is on the whole, it's pretty kind. It's a very gentle film, even though it's dealing with some kind of rather complex issues like alcoholism, drug abuse, broken families, there's some additional things that it could have dealt with that it didn't deal with. 
But like, and this is where, what I'm talking about, it's like, it's not cheesy. It's not like goofy movie or anything like that. So, I mean, it, it it's taking what it's talking about seriously. And it is based on something that really did happen. And it doesn't come across necessarily as preachy either, which I think is probably a benefit to it on the whole. But that said, you know, there's going to be like, and I ran across it looking up some of these um, reviews that are out there and people are like, you know, it's just not interesting to them in the same sort of way that a physicist might be really interested in uh, uh, Christopher Nolan's interstellar when they see all of the stuff about like the black hole and like all of this kind of interesting science being depicted in a, in a movie, like not everybody's the physicist. So not everybody's going to care about that. And not everybody's going to be inspired to go and be a physicist after watching interstellar. But if you take that step outside of all of it and you look at the movie, why is it being made? Is it only being made to, and you've heard this phrase before, is it, is it just meant to preach to the choir like, is it only supposed to be an encouragement to people who are already Christians? Or is the intention of making this film and putting it out there to attract people into the Christian church, whether that's a Calvary Chapel church or a Vineyard church or this Harvest church or whatever the the, the non-denominational church, whatever it might be. But is that is that the intention? Because if that's the intention, maybe it's not doing the thing that you think it is, or maybe it, it it's not universally doing the thing. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I think that there's sometimes when you look at all of this stuff, there's within that church growth movement kind of mentality. It's like if you do it just right, then you're going to get these results. And at the core of all of that is kind of a works righteousness sort of way to go about church life and evangelism, but probably church life and evangelism is a lot more messy than doing it just right. And this is where the the film kind of is doing two things at the same time. It's like on the one hand, it seems to be going this polished marketing route of things. On the other hand, though, it is dealing with like this kind of peculiar story of people who are surprised that they end up believing in Jesus and how that changes their lives. So again, there's going to be things that people are going to see and enjoy out of it. And then there's going to be things that will be maybe puzzling. So Ted, picking up there, what happens when someone tries the, what eventually became kind of the cookie cutter approach based upon the initial success of Chuck Smith's Calvary Chapel? What if they tried that cookie cutter approach and it doesn't work? Well, this happens. I mean, lots of congregations try this kind of stuff and it doesn't work and it can be very disappointing. And I think this is one of the things where a film like this is intended, I think probably on one hand, like I was saying to be an encouragement, right? So the flip side of encouragement can be discouragement. It can be very discouraging. Like, and if you're in a small congregation and you desperately want to be a big congregation, then trying things and having them not work can be very discouraging. I think the thing that we need to remember as Lutherans, as Christians in general, is what uh, Jesus talks about, right? When he, he, this actually was just like last, in last Sunday's uh, gospel reading, where he talks about, you know, that the spirit blows where it wills 
and you don't know where it comes from. And so it is like with the Holy Spirit, right? So what we have then is a case where you're not going to force these things to happen. And the cookie cutter approach isn't exactly the way it works. So for if people are interested, maybe you've come across this and and you've you've never heard of this before, but like you guys had interviewed this pastor Gottfried Martins of Trinity Lutheran Church in Berlin, whose congregation just like exploded in size. And it exploded in a dramatic way due to these refugees from Iran and Afghanistan who are in Germany. And this isn't even very long ago. This is would be in the early like 2012 or something around in there. But these were people that were in need of mercy and they received it there. That pastor opened the door and helped them and then helped more of them and more of them and more of them and more and more people got baptized. But that is a completely different context. That is a confessional Lutheran context in a Zelk church in Germany. And it is like, it doesn't look anything like a Calvary chapel. Like that cookie cutter Calvary chapel thing, it's not anywhere near the same deal as what happened there at Trinity Lutheran Church in Berlin and vice versa. What we have to remember is Christ is the Lord of the church. The Holy Spirit is sent by him and the Holy Spirit does his work the way the Holy Spirit does his work. So that is something I think that maybe people who watch a film like this could keep in mind and you want to dig into something, go dig into that story because that is a really interesting story too. And maybe putting these two stories next to each other would provide you an opportunity to think about the whole thing. Like what, what, what is actually going on in the church when it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit? Pastor Ted Geese is our guest reviewing the movie Jesus Revolution. On the other side, his pastoral concerns. Issues Etc. listeners are needed to vote for president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Every LCMS congregation has the right to vote through a pastoral and a lay voter, two voters per congregation or parish. Voter registration must be completed by Midnight Central on March 19th of 2023. Request to be a voter at your congregation for president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Learn more at issuesetc.org slash 2023 nominations. This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we dig further into St. Luke's Gospel with the Lazarus and the rich man. Increase our faith. Unworthy servants, ten lepers, and as the lightning. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. We're supported by listeners like you. You're listening to Issues Etc. Save the date. The 2023 Lutherans for Life National Conference is October 11th through 13th at the Holiday Inn Cincinnati Airport in Erlanger, Kentucky, with visits to the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum. Look for more information in early 2023 at lutheransforlife.org conference. Lutherans for Life 
equipping Lutherans and their neighbors to be gospel-motivated voices for life. Lutheransforlife.org. Do you know the fastest-growing religious group in the United States? Is it Roman Catholics? Nope. It's not Protestants either. Rather, it's those who mark none on religion's preference surveys. They don't belong to any particular denomination. They still believe in some sort of spiritual being and reality, but they don't believe and don't claim adherence to any particular religious group. The March issue of The Lutheran Witness picks up the question of the nuns. To learn more, visit witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Reviewing the movie Jesus Revolution with Pastor Ted Geese. He has a bachelor's degree in fine arts. He is pastor of Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada, and he teaches a course for Concordia Lutheran Theological Seminary titled "The Lutheran Approach to Art, Media, and Film." Ted, what are some of your pastoral concerns? Yeah, one of the pastoral concerns I would have in this film is that it really does have a very strong, heavy emphasis on decision theology. And this is not something that we as Lutherans confess or believe in or teach. So that's a, that's a big problem. And there's an, one example within the film. If you've watched the film, an example in the film is that kind of like the secondary main character, or depending on how you look at the main character, this Greg Laurie played by Joel Courtney. He gets baptized and he's baptized by that uh, Lonnie Frisbee. Lonnie Frisbee asks him, this Laurie guy, he asks him like directly these questions, which are basically like the responses are making a decision for Jesus kind of thing or making a decision for Christ. And then he's baptized. Well, I mean, the Lutheran confessions, like in the formula of Concord, the solid declaration, article two under free will, we believe teach and confess that a person by himself or from his natural powers cannot do anything or help toward his conversion. Conversion is not only in part, but totally an act, gift, present, and work of the Holy Spirit alone. The person does or works nothing, but only undergoes it. And for those of you who have not read the Formula of Concord, but know your small catechism really well, in the third article of the Apostles' Creed, Perhaps you had memorized it years ago and still have it memorized. I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Christ Jesus, my Lord, or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. And of course, he does that not just for me personally, but for the whole church. So the way we look at how somebody comes to Christ is very different because we would say that how somebody comes to Christ is by the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's not based on a decision that we make. So that is one of the things that in this film that I think is a pastoral concern people should keep in mind. So if a group of people from your church go, or you go with a group of people, or pastor with some of their people go to the church, it would be a good opportunity to talk about decision theology versus what we believe teach and confess is actually going on when somebody has a conversion and becomes Christian. So that would be something that would be a pastoral concern is if you uncritically watch it and don't just kind of take it at face value and it just 
uncritically look at that. I, I, I think that that's something. And I, and again, I think every different kind of Christian out there is going to have different things in this movie where they're going to look at it and they're going to go, okay, yep, yep, yep. Uh, mm, what's going on with that? So there's there's a number of those for confessional Lutherans who, and there's going to be a number of those things for other Christians as well. So finally, Ted, how can we use this film to confess Lutheran theology and practice to our evangelical friends? Well, I'm not necessarily recommending Jesus Revolution as a film for everybody. People are free to see it if they like, and the Christian who's mature in their faith will likely be fine watching it. And like I said, maybe the film might prompt some people to dig more into the history of Calvary Chapel and the Jesus movement and of that late 1960s and 70s and the roots of where things like Maranatha music comes from. But to answer your question about like how this might be helpful for those who have watched it and in the end find themselves in a conversation with somebody. So that's really the thing. So if you're in the conversation with somebody about this film or about Christian faith in general, and maybe this film is the prompt to, to have that conversation. Remember what St. Peter says. So in first Peter chapter three, St. Peter says, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you yet do it with gentleness and respect. So that gentleness and respect is a big part of that conversation. And that's hard. I mean, there's times where we mess this up and we flub it up, but shoot for that. That's the advice that St. Peter gives. And then always kind of try to leave open the door for people as far as you're able to keep that conversation going, because it's a, it's a good conversation to have, you know, like the, what are, what, what is it that you believe teach and confess about how the church should uh, be in the world and how is it that they believe teach and confess the church should be in the world. That's a good conversation to have. So remember, there's a lot of miserable people out there. So, you know, dear listener, and uh, you might be one of them, people who are in need of mercy, right? So if they're in need of mercy, they, these are people who are in need of mercy from God. And you know where to find that mercy. We find it in Jesus. We find it in his word and sacraments. And then I guess the last of the things to think about maybe with this is, people could think of like Mark chapter nine. So Mark chapter nine, there's this part where Jesus has his disciples come to him and they say, teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, do not stop him for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterwards to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us, Jesus says. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. So you can see that going on in the midst of all of this, the story of this Calvary Chapel thing. And we would hope that people would see that in us, like I was talking about with that Pastor Gottfried Martins in Berlin. And you know, that can be part of the conversation as well. With about 30 seconds, just picking up on something you just said, I'm of the opinion a lot of times because of poor production value or, or maybe even poor theology, faith-based films may do more harm than good. What is your judgment on this particular film, Jesus Revolution? 
Yeah, that's that's what I was talking about when I was talking about how some people saw this and they were like not particularly interested in what the film was about. Maybe the film is doing something that it doesn't think that it's put it this way. Yeah, this can be a problem. And I think that some of those reviewers out there, the well was already poisoned before they sat down in the theater because of what you're talking about. Like sometimes poor quality in the past makes it hard for people to embrace something in the present. This film goes a long way in like not having that as a problem. But yeah, this is a concern I think that people have in this genre. And I wouldn't put too much emphasis on this being the silver bullet to helping somebody because really it needs to get down to that conversation you might have with them, them studying God's word being invited into an actual Christian community and not just watching something up on a screen. Pastor Ted Geese has a bachelor's degree in fine arts. He is pastor of Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. He teaches a course for Concordia Lutheran Theological Seminary titled A Lutheran Approach to Art, Media, and Film. You can read his movie reviews at issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Ted, thank you very much. Thank you. When we come back, Rachel Morrison joins us from the Ethics and Public Policy Center. We're going to talk about a Supreme Court case that's on the docket on religious accommodation in the workplace. A postal worker who was never required to work Sundays, now through an arrangement with Amazon, is being forced to do so. Well, the court's going to decide whether or not his employer, the U.S. Postal Service, can do that. Stay tuned. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc., is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. Do you want a church with a rockin' band and a sermon series to help you live a better life? It's not here. Bethany Evangelical Lutheran Church in Fairview Heights offers authentic, historic Christianity to a world awash in fads and entertainment and offers forgiveness of sins to people overwhelmed with guilt and shame. Join us Sundays at 9.30 on Old Collinsville Road in Fairview Heights, Illinois, to receive the life-giving gifts of God with us. Find out more online at BethanyLCMS.org. I am beautiful because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am accepted because I'm a part of His family through Jesus' shed blood. Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis, Illinois, shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org. Unityesl.org. Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I say yes to God in His ways. College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, offers ACT, SAT, and PSAT test prep, scholarship application classes, college and career counseling, and more. Hi, this is Lori Konsky, president of College Preparation Station. We have helped our students obtain more than $7 million in tuition scholarships in 12 years. Find out more at cpsprep.com. 
Let us help you create a vision and find your future. The College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, cpsprep.com. Did you know that we send out an email each week that details upcoming show topics? It's available for you to include in your weekly church bulletin. Just click the Issues Etc. Journal logo at our homepage, issuesetc.org, and sign up to receive the church bulletin blurb. It's an easy way to invite your fellow parishioners to listen to Issues Etc. Issuesetc.org. Look for the Issues Etc. Journal logo and register to receive a weekly bulletin paragraph from Issues Etc. Metro East Lutheran High School in Edwardsville, Illinois, is looking for an English teacher with a master's degree for the 2023-24 school year. Edwardsville is 30 minutes from downtown St. Louis. The position would involve teaching upper-level, dual-credit English classes. For more information, send an email to Principal Jay Krause, J-A-Y-K-R-A-U-S-E, at M-E-L-H-S.org, Jay Krause at M-E-L-H-S.org. In the Confession of Lutheran Dogmatics on Holy Scripture, I seek to expound and defend the doctrine of Holy Scripture in three areas. Dr. Jack Kilcrease talking about his new book in the Confessional Lutheran Dogmatic series, Holy Scripture. One, the absolute truthfulness of Holy Scripture. Two, the Christ-centered nature of Holy Scripture. And three, to expound and defend the doctrine of Holy Scripture in a postmodern environment. Learn more about Holy Scripture at lutheracademy.com, lutheracademy.com.